Hello, and welcome to Fresh Blood, a podcast about killing it in the age of ageism, where we prove that new blood does not necessarily equal young blood. Here to discuss what it takes to have continued success through life, I'll be your host, Jolie Downs. With over 20 years of executive recruiting experience, I've learned how much we can grow and be inspired by other people's stories. I'm excited to share that with you here on Fresh Blood. Today, we are talking with Palm Wiesner, who has over 30 years of experience working in the financial services industry. He is a business development expert holding various director and VP level roles with a variety of leading companies such as Fidelity, Northwestern Mutual, and now he's leading BizDev for Covisum. He has enjoyed a long, successful career in his chosen profession, and I'm really looking forward to learning more about his journey. Tom, thank you so much for joining us today on Fresh Blood. Please tell us more about your journey. Julie, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Uh, My journey has been one of a series of ups and downs and all arounds. Um, I can tell you in a uh, basic summary, well, I I started my career at at Fidelity Investments back in the late 80s, early 90s. And, uh, you know, at the time I I started as a temp, uh, a temp worker and Fidelity had a temporary company and I was interested in getting in sales or, or uh, kind of some kind of sales aptitude. And I joined the uh, institutional company at the time and uh, as a temp um, and uh, kept my nose clean and enjoyed it and uh, joined as a full-time employee and, and uh, worked directly with clients. Um, I remember the day or the days back in the early 90s when we got Windows technology Um, that's how far back go. But I do remember also that we worked off of, uh, DOS type of technology also. And later in my career, I went back to Fidelity a number of years later and they still had the DOS programs, which is interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's interesting. What comes around goes around. And, and it was my early career at Fidelity was great. It was, um, pretty heady times there where, a lot of battlefield promotions, a lot of people moving up relatively quickly. Uh, the market was early nineties was, was booming. Uh, they allowed you to go get licensing and FINRA licensing back then. Well, I like to say it was hard, but it was easy. But, uh, nowadays it's a lot harder for people to get licenses. But today, back then it was, is relatively easy. You did have to take a test and, and you had to take a test and, Pass your test, and then you could get access to uh, to clients and talk to um, both institutional and retail clients. And I was in the institutional field and wanted to make more money. And then I uh, uh, left Fidelity for a job um, with a firm started by a former Fidelity executive. There's a lot of those out there, and uh, had an opportunity to go out and get on the road and do that. Um, and as time went along, I was carrying the bag for a number of years as a what they call a wholesaler, uh, selling asset management and uh, asset management products such as uh, mutual funds and separate accounts. And, and then um, got a little bit into the technology area in in the at, towards uh, my end of the Fidelity career. Uh, I went to um, and then went to a company called UAM Asset Management, and then uh, started with a dot com company, an interesting dot com that was 
company called InvestNet, which back then was just a startup. Love startups, like working for startups. Um, now I know that more now than I did back then because I've worked for two huge companies. So was uh, this before the dot-com bust? This was before the dot-com bust. Yeah. When was the bust again? Probably... 2001. It was after 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I worked for InvestNet for a couple of years. And in 2001, as the bust was going along and they were having problems with venture capital, I moved on uh, to um, you know this company that wanted me to come work for them. Uh, I was an insurance company and I wasn't really impressed. Like, why should I go for an insurance company? And found out it was Northwestern Mutual and they flew me to Milwaukee and wow, they had a lot of money. Um, they had a lot of money and they had a lot of prestige and it was a great company to work for. But interesting enough, uh, InvestNet uh, has, I introduced uh, the InvestNet founder to a contact at Fidelity and uh, that relationship, I'm, I was there at the birth of that relationship, Fidelity funded InvestNet, now InvestNet's a mega, mega company. Um, so uh, I've had success in getting people together and getting businesses started. Uh, moved on to Northwestern Mutual, was in the, again, the asset management business, got, but fell in love with the process management. So the practice management side of the business. So I've been in asset management, sales, and practice management. And um, uh, Northwestern, um, I saw a trend developing. And this was with um, various different mentors that I had and various different uh, executives I worked for that saw the boom as early as 2002, 2003 coming of all these baby boomers retiring. And it was great. Uh, you know, it was, you know, from the, from the early 90s to the early 2000s, it was, and then it was the, the boom of accumulating a nest egg for retirement. Uh, these executives, at one executive in particular, a guy named Chuck Robinson at Northwestern Mutual, started talking about what are we going to do for decumulation? How are we going to guarantee people's assets in retirement and avoid risks of market risks and and dying too soon or living too long? Those type of risks. It's called um, you know uh, income distribution or or decumulation strategies and fell in love with that uh, and advocated for that as my parents were significantly older um, they had me when they were forty three and they were much older and I saw my parents going into that phase of you know um, you know retiring and go go slow go and no go stages of retirement and you know, and what happened to them and their nest egg. And gee, I, was, I was in the middle of it all. And I saw and identified with so many millions of Americans who were like, how do I guarantee an income stream beyond social, you know, just beyond social security and uh, 401ks and IRAs and Roth IRAs and such. And uh, so Northwestern was a, was a caveat for that. And uh, I did a couple different things with Northwestern. Um, you know, I had a, um, I had a divorce in 2010, which hurt and was a lot of change. I also got, uh, I went back to, um, I went back after North, my tenure at Northwestern to Fidelity Investments and I got phased out in 2008. So between 2008 and 2012, I was kind of like doing a couple different things for, for Northwestern Mutual, being a wrap, doing other things and just trying to find 
uh, just trying to find work and get back into financial services. And that was a really hard time too. Yeah, that. and being in the early, really, you know, mid forties, and and you saw like younger generations come in and behind you, and technology changing, and you know, as you head towards fifties, um, you know, things is, things kind of move along, and yeah, and, this is something that people deal with all the time. And it's actually one of the, the influences, um, for me to have started this podcast because I talk to people all the time in the forties, fifties, if, if anything are, happens, if there's a layoff or, you know, the industry tanks, <laughs> you know, uh, you, you know, new, a new CEO comes in, things happen. And, um, I've found that it is much more of a struggle in the forties, fifties, you know, in that, in that age set, when you're looking for something new, is there anything that you learned during that time that would be valuable to share to someone who might be in that situation right now? Yeah, uh, a couple of different things that I learned, and I'm still learning. First of all, you're always learning. Um, that's rule number one. Um, the things that I learned is help, and it's kind of s- similar to that of divorce. People will help you who you least expect to help or come out of the woodwork to help you. If you just ask, if you just say that I need help uh, in looking at new opportunities or um, I just went through divorce, what else is, you know, in a personal sense and a business sense, uh, you'd be surprised that people who, you know, not so much turn their backs on you, but just don't reply. And the people who do step up and help you and people who you didn't think of would step up and help you do. So that's, uh, be out there and ask. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. The second thing I did a long time ago is I adopted um, social media back in 2005 with LinkedIn. And um, and then a part of my phase out of Fidelity was I was really introduced to it in 2008 as a part of a, a placement service that Fidelity gave me. And I adopted LinkedIn and, and got to know it very, very well. Um, and was a way for me to network and connect even back then through messaging and, and, uh, liking and doing all the little things around LinkedIn to, um, reach out. Matter of fact, a couple of my jobs I've gotten is through LinkedIn and, and, you know, that's how I found, um, uh, and that's how I kind of approached them at a, at a conference and, uh, what they do uh, now and who I work for now is um, is a firm that that provides applications for that retirement income or decumulation phase of a client's life for advisors. So it really combines my practice management and my and my love of the decumulation phase of a client's life together. But the the other things that I found that were helpful was not only to ask people, and I found the least helpful thing during that time and especially now is just applying for job after job after job it it it, the computer world and the automated processes just screen you out and um it's always better to talk to people um and to reach out to people and to have conversation with people so those are the things that i've learned uh during those you know, from 08 till basically 12. And then from 12 to 16, I was back with Northwestern. And then after that, I, I've, I've joined um, the, the fintech world uh, with, with two roles as biz dev uh, person and two different um, t- 
technology companies. That was really good advice all, all around there. The first thing you said was very powerful, I felt, because I, I know I myself can struggle with asking for help. And and that is the first step when you are struggling, when you are in a position um, where you're not finding what it is that you're looking for, ask for help. It's, it is the simplest thing. And you're right. It is, it is by asking for help, you can see the beauty of humanity because it is amazing. The people mm-hmm. who end up starting yes. out. Julie, ask for help and pay it forward. I, um, there's a number of layoffs going on at Northwestern Mutual. I know a lot of those people from my, my past time there. And I reach out to them and say, hey, I, I noticed you're out. Anything I can do, anything I can help you with, you want to get on a call? And, and uh, some of them reach back out and say, yeah, that'd be great if we get on a call and spend like 10, 15 minutes. And you know, you know, what are you looking at? What are you looking to do? So I pay it forward because you never know again in your career when you might want to lean on those people. So it's, it's, it's super important. Exactly. And you never know when a simple conversation like that can make all the difference in someone's life in that moment. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's wonderful. You know, during your career, you've done a lot of different things and um, with, with really great companies and whatnot. What would you say has been your greatest success and, and what did you learn from it? Greatest success has been, um, that you can be at the right time at the right place and the wrong time at the wrong place. That's the, that's some of the things I've learned. Um, you never, never stop asking. One of the firms early in my career that I called upon was um, a firm literally right around the corner from ours. And I was uh, in the asset management business at the right place at the right time. I uh, did the due diligence work with this firm and ended up getting a, a major placement of our assets into one of our fund managers. So much so that I broke the compensation package for my my firm uh, because it was too much, uh, which happens in a salesperson's career where you absolutely hit the mother load and break it and where they have to come to you and say, listen, we can't pay you this much. And that's a good thing. So that's <laughs> good, bad. <laughs> like, yay for me and oh, kind of a bummer. But... The other thing is... I think, you know, I've, I've had successes in winning clients. I've had successes in creating processes. I've had success. I, I think the greatest success is like some of these firms that I've worked with, Northwestern Mutual, Fidelity, um, in the field forces and the advisors, the people that I've called on. Um, you know, it's, it's um, some of them were like, oh, you're coming to Philadelphia this weekend, I'm seeing, or... Uh, you're going, you know, you're coming here. Why don't you stay at our place instead of stay at a hotel? And I've had that happen to me several times. So it's being incorporated in on that. Um, you know, uh, there's a couple companies that um, I've been involved with that, that have gotten bought out, which has been, it's good and bad. Uh, it, it's, it's bad in the sense that they, some firms will make you go away. It's other firms will be like, you know, we want to incorporate in with you. And then there's some kind of financial compensation with either in those situations. Uh, so that's happened to me. Um, I've recently, you know, because of my experience, because of what I built in LinkedIn, my, my LinkedIn, I always looked at people, people looked at LinkedIn as just a way to get a job. I've always looked at added is yes it, it has that side to it but it's been my electronic rolodex i completely agree and it's an amazing tool that everyone should yeah and 
you know, for your line of background, absolutely. My line is like financial services and a lot of industries are really small worlds when you, when you, when you come down to it. Um, and I've, I, I built up about 16,000 connections in LinkedIn and, and it's a way to grow your network and identify with people because I can reach out to people through second parties and get, you know, like, Hey, I'd love to meet this person who controls, um, you know, the automation process for this firm. Can I, can I talk to them? And I, I can do that now. Um, and those are some of the big, biggest successes, but I've also helped create over the past two firms, a way to do relatively inexpensively, uh, a way to create a, a database of decision makers for these firms through identifying personas, uh, building um you know workflows and using technology to automate a lot of the prospecting business um and that's through technology and and you you know we talked about like somebody my age or our ages or you know that you know you fall behind in technology or and yes i've fallen down but i've also been able to um, I kind of know the schematic in which I want to operate in. It's the leveraging of technology that I've fallen, like which technology exists for this or that. And um, But the younger generations know it really well. I can talk to my kids and say, hey, is there an app for this? Or is, that, is there a process for that? And, you know, and, and obviously there's tools like Salesforce and HubSpot and all these things. But there's other things that you can use to garner and develop and and um, identify different people that which you need to speak with over the course. And there's a lot of companies that reach back out to me and go, "Oh, you, uh, we have a great way to do prospecting. Do you want to do you want to look at it?" And we use LinkedIn. Do you want to see it? I'm like, I already do it. We do that. Yeah, no. So you created that for your company? Yeah, I've created that for two of the companies, um, and I did that really with the idea, and then I leveraged the. Um, I, I leverage the people who know technology better. You know, uh, that's um, in one company. It was um, a company called Smartleaf. We we used uh, co-ops from Northeastern University, so they were part of a co-op program. They were there for six six to eight months, and I'd say, listen, we want to be able to scrape names and, and email addresses and put it into a CRM, and then create a workflow for these. And I'll identify the personas, and then how do we how do we physically do that? And then we, we got it done. Uh, they, but they knew the tools in which to do it with, and they put together, they helped me put together the process in which to do it. And then I carried that over to, to my new role at, Co- at Covizum. So I can spend more time in front of people to develop new lines of business than just trying to find the right person. Yeah, uh, brilliant. So, I love so, it. So, so, yeah, and you found the people to help you make it happen in the best yeah, way. Yeah, and, and you just have to ask, again, just have to ask the questions. And uh, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we have an app for that. Or there, there's, a, there's a website for that. There's a website too. There's a, you know, I never knew there was a website called Buffer, for instance. You're familiar with Buffer? You ever hear of it? Buffer is a website in which you can put relevant content articles in, and it will distribute down and in through your social media and i never knew this i'm like okay so i can take an article put it on buffer and buffer will distribute it into your social media at whatever times you want it to 
Oh, yes. Oh, actually, I have something like that called Get Woofy. Yeah, Get Woofy. And all of a sudden, there's like, Hello, Woofy. Hello, Hello, Woofy. And there's all these, you know, there's there's all these types of it. So, okay, there's Buffer. Yeah. Yeah. There's Buffer. And there's all these nice things that we can add on to our Chrome, to to Chrome as as an add on. Um, So, um, and I'll say something to my kids. I got four kids who are like all. You know, twenty six to eighteen. I go, hey, do you know this thing about this thing? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's the old one. There's a new, there's a new version of this called such and such. I'm like, oh, okay, I'm always behind, but at least I'm. No, that's key. That's actually that's good to that's good to know. Uh, yeah, I should start asking the younger generation. Oh yeah, better than what I'm using right now. Oh yeah, so. That's a uh, <laughs> so no. that's the biggest thing. The other thing, I, Julie, I've learned is things are cyclical. Everything that comes around goes around again, and. Not only with the markets and investments and financial services, it's just trends come around again, and people just try and do it more efficiently. That's and I've seen that several different times. Yeah, isn't that? And that's something that that's insight that you get when you have a certain amount of years in in an industry because you are able to see that and you are able to see those cycles and that that this is all normal and and everything's going to be okay. It comes back around. It'll go down again. It'll come back up again. Yeah, it, it's good and it's bad. It's like negative. You know, some people say, "Oh, this is just a cycle." And that means a negative connotation. That actually be positive too. So you can go through positive different cycles too. Uh, you know, the recent cycle that I've seen is like this way of communicating with people is text and email, and now. You know, one company we work with believes in the power of email, and that's HubSpot. Great company out of Cambridge, Mass. Very innovative in what they do. Uh, they look at themselves as disruptors and changes. They, but they just email people. And what I've noticed is, especially over the past two years, people respond to the voice. They like to hear from you. They want a phone, you know, a phone call. They, they. That's the true disruption. Is that. You know, my kids, 26 to 18 right now, if I call them, they're like, why are you calling me? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, because I want to have a conversation with you. And it's the most effective way to have a conversation is one-on-one is by voice because text and email can be so misconstrued. You're, yes, they and can. They'll, and they're like, oh, wow, let's have conversations. Well, you know, uh, I go, you guys use TikTok. You guys use all these apps instagram facebook which is too old now for most of these kids but you guys are using like videos and videos are talking to people they're just snippets and they go okay so if i call you i'm trying to have a meaningful conversation with you i'm not trying to bother you or i'm in the car so i don't want to be distracted with the text and they get it and now when you call customers or you call prospects they're like they pick up the first of all they pick up the phone like wow my phone's ringing and secondly, they're like, it's hard for them to dodge a physical or to not accept or to, or to get around uh, somebody's voice to say, hey, I need to talk to you about something. I need to ask you some questions about something. You're right. It makes a much bigger impact, a much, much bigger memory for sure. Of, of, it does. You know. And it's like, and that's going to come around again. People are going to, people are going to call. People are going to, you know, this whole emailing and, you know, people I know, people I call on, people that I've that I've worked with or customers of mine have two, three, four different email boxes. No, you're you're I yes, I do myself and you're completely 
Right. And, you know, I just read this thing. It makes me think because I was just reading how companies were starting to mail things again because the emails and the text and everything is so overrun that uh, a physical piece that you have to do something with. Yeah. Yeah. That they've started to go back. back <laughs> so, mail. Back and now we're going back to the phone calls, right, Tom? Yeah. And, and this is something that people our age, Julie, we've done all this stuff. Yeah. We know how to do this stuff. And, and it's the younger generations that are scared to pick up the phone because, you know, it could be mom and dad, you know, or whatever. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> well, let's flip it, Tom. What about uh, a time that you struggled, had big obstacles and had to overcome them? What did you learn from it? Um, you know, uh, Death fidelity. There's a couple of them. I, I'm, I'm sitting there thinking which ones. Uh, <laughs> there's several of them. Uh, you know, there was a time of fidelity where I got you know the the, the market change in 08, and they let people go in fidelity, and uh, you know that was tough. Uh, you know, it's tough. Young family and trying to make. You know, I was the sole. Um, you know. Check, you know, getting you know the sole uh, bread maker in the the family, and it, it was tough. It was it was tough to do that. Um, you know, getting divorced. It was li- life changes, and that uh, was at the same time, huh? Yeah, that was that was in 2010. So you know, between 2008 and 2010, and then afterwards, and then after divorce, it's or a man or a woman or any any couple is not easy. It's not easy. It's financially straining. It's just stressful. I'm in life. Uh, you know, my parents passing away at different times. And, you know, that's another thing that people don't recognize. Younger generations don't recognize or people don't generally, you know, my parents were older, so they were the, the first to pass away. But when your, your, your parents flip and you become the caretaker of your parents is, is a hard thing to go through. But when also in your career, you're trying to balance career and taking care of a family and taking care of your parents. How did you deal with that? You, you, sometimes your company, a lot of companies understand that. Um, and they're starting to be better with that because the, the care issue with your parents is always there. You, you, or you have to take time off to, 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 to care for a parent. I mean, that, and my family, we had to create a support network to do that. And certain people had certain days and times. And as long as you explain that to your company, some companies probably 20 years ago weren't so lenient. Now they tend to be a lot more lenient with it. Um, you know, that those were difficult times. And then, um, you know, it's, it's being in sales and, and being in business development is you're 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 always on the forefront you're always on the frontier as i call it and i've been working i've been working remotely for a number of years um either with northwestern mutual um not so much with fidelity but i had a home office for a number of years and you get used to it you like it you have to plan around it because there's interruptions and stuff Um, but it has been difficult over the past six months with covid because everybody's working from home and uh, that has been a challenge too. Is is people's schedules are getting up? You know, they have kids to educate. They have life to live at home. They got you know. So 
your schedule has to be a lot more flexible too. Um, and those have been challenges. So, um, you know, I, I think there's, there's, I, when I talk to people and um, like questions you just ask, it's not that I'm wary of people who have been like, oh yeah, I'm not, I, my ups and downs, I haven't had, yeah. I'd like to hear people who have had ups and downs because you have to deal with adversity during your career. Uh, either job loss, parent loss, divorce, um, you know, uh, God forbid a loss of, of your, you know, I've had people I've worked with who've lost their children. It's terrible. It's, it's, um, it's I, I can't imagine that. Uh, and I'm sure there's been people who've, you know, had much more difficult times than I've had. But um, I think you, you need your network. You need your friends. You need your people to le- to rely on. You need those those hidden people that come to your rescue as long as you go out and ask. As I mentioned earlier, you're so right. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, asking for help during those times is vital because they they can just drag you down if you don't have those good people to help lift you up. In some of those situations. So moving on with the different topic, I'm curious, have you ever experienced or witnessed ageism in the workplace yourself? I have. I have. Um, I was let go of a job. I can't say where, who, what, or when, because I signed something where unbelievably after I was let job, let go of the job, um, the person who let me go posted for my position and was about to hire a person 20 years younger than me, which in the state that I worked in at the time was a big no-no. I did not know that, and they did not know that, but my lawyer knew that. And um, the importance of of retaining somebody, if you're in that situation, is really important. Uh, to not only like, I think when somebody is going through, um, well, be, if, if you know you're being targeted at a company, I, I think you should re- retain somebody just in case, just so that when you do get your package that can be reviewed, or if you do go through a pack, if you do a situation, uh, any situation where you're, you're severanced, I believe you should have an attorney look at your, 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 um, your documents to make sure that, you know, you know, I've had, you know, when I, when I was let go at fidelity, um, for basically, uh, you know, phased out, they they forgot to include unemployment. Oh wow! Oh, that's a pretty big thing to forget to include. Yeah, yeah, and it's sometimes it's not by by mistake either. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, so you want yeah. to do double check and make sure that yes. you're getting a package that has everything oh, that you're entitled to. And um, there's certain things that can happen, and but this you know this attorney who you've talked to. Um, did some due diligence and found out and, and basically sent them a letter saying, Hey, you can't do this. And, um, you, you're replacing somebody with somebody significantly younger. So what happened? Um, well, 
that, you didn't get your job back, I take it. I right? didn't get my job back. I didn't want my job back. Yeah, but they, uh, but they, they, the, the settlement package was uh, significant then. Uh, yeah, it was, it was more paid attention to. And now, how long did it take you to find something new after that? Oh, about eight months. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true that, you know, you, it takes the, the older you are, the longer it's going to take you to, to look. Yeah. How did you deal with um, the mental aspect that went along with that? Um, it was very difficult because, you know, you're like, okay, why? Uh, it, it, was, it was very ambiguous to the reason. I believe that it was financial on their side. Um, okay. So practice, yeah. And it's a standard practice. They're looking to cut. Um, I've had, I've had employers tell me, geez, you make a lot of money. Like come to me and say, you make a lot of money. Like, well, I'm still employed. Meaning, you know, you're, you're a line item in a budget. I'm like, well, I'm most experienced. I've had all this, you know, you're, you're paying for my Rolodex and you're paying for my experience. Yeah. For what I can bring to the table. What I bring to the table. And, you know, what happens at these companies, you, you become a line item. They don't look at your age. They look at your line item. And they're like, well, we can do it now more, especially the other side of this automation edge, which I've ta- talked to you about that I helped create, can also be my detriment. Mm-hmm. You automa- yeah. Younger, cheaper, manage it. Younger, cheaper, but also automation, which takes the place of it. So, yes, um, I, I've experienced that since I turned really in late forties, late forties, uh, it start it started popping up more and more. Well, I got to say the advice to, you know, if you start feeling like you're being targeted, which, you know, you can, you can start to feel it a little bit, you know, they'll start to make little comments or ding you on stupid little things. Um, to get a lawyer. And, and even if you don't feel it and, and it happens to get a lawyer and have someone look over it, that is really good advice. Um, and not something I had thought about, to be honest with you. So, yeah, I think, I think the important thing is, is if you, if you feel like you're being treated or you feel like ageism is happening, you know, it's obviously sometimes you're just not in the fit in the company. You, you have to realize that exactly. you're just not a fit in the company. Um, but if if you start hearing things or start seeing things like we pay you a lot, um, you know, you're, you're the highest compensated person on the team. Um, you start seeing little nitpick things all the time. They're, um, they're you know, typical micromanaging things. Um, you know, I think, I think that's important to, to notice. And then, you know, um, retain somebody good in that area who deals with, with these types of issues and employment law and such and you know believe it or not there are there are lawyers out there that specialize in certain that understand certain companies within their geographic area you know fidelity being one um there are people who who've been through these and they'll review your you know this one person i had uh reviewed me but i've referred her off to 10 20 people because of you know the way she looks at the you know she understands the packages she understands and she can also you know she can help you ghost write a letter back so it keep takes your emotion out of it and it puts facts in front of them if it gets down to that 
you know, part of separation. So, uh, no, and, and unfortunately people our age face this stuff all the time because it's just like we, either they don't fit into the culture or they're just not, um, producing in a certain way. Um, you know, which happens. Yeah. 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 And this is yeah, all I, I find. And I also find companies now differently. And this is really something that I've noticed over the past two, three jobs now, um, that of course we never talk about politics and religion at work. Never. You never talk about that. And, and, and a person, but they do want to know personal things about you. They either, as a part of their regular agenda, like they, they want you to be included. They want to include you in a lot of, you know, uh, company events and company things like, and, and they're all under good auspices, but then that's a way to get to know you and leverage that information against you down the road. And, you know, personal things like, you know, I understand like how many kids you have, what do you like to do? And, but people start drawing, you know, one of my things that I do or I don't do is I don't allow anybody I work with on my social media at all. And LinkedIn is a, an exception, but, um, but, uh, you know, um, why do you keep it separate? Because I don't want them drawing conclusions about who I am and what I do in my own time. And that's my time. That's, you know, and that might be a little like, oh, he's just being, but no, it's like who you vote for, who, you know, and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm out there tweeting every five minutes or posting stuff on Facebook or doing, but people tend to notice like, oh, he's got time to do that. Or she's got time to do that. Or, or she wants to vote for this person. People start getting biases. They start making those micro judgments. Absolutely. And I think it's a very, for me, it's a very thing I've noticed a number of years ago that I just stopped. And uh, my new company, I don't, nothing against these people. I work with them. I don't, you know, my, my social media is my private side. And that's you know, like my kids, my family, the things I like to do, the places I go to. It's great. If I want to share that with my company, I can share it with my company in a different format. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's interesting. That's, that's something interesting to think about that I had not been thinking about either. So, so, you know, just wrapping up really quick, I'd love to hear, because you have had a lot of success in your life. What do you feel is key to continued success throughout life? Um, being a good listener. Ooh, good one. Um, very important is asking that even, even ask the questions you already know the answer to. Just get the opinion of other people is 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 important. Um, that comes with age. Being able to ask the question that you already know the answer to, but just trying to solicit the opinion of the person to find out where they stand. It connects the, them to you too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's smart. That's that's that's, that's really important. And then um, you know, stick to your vision. Have your vision. Stick to it, and um, but have room for varying of that i mean i think part of success going forward is being able to leverage technology not that you have to some ways adapt and adopt to it but leverage it and know that technology is currently 
technology is going to pass, pass, pass by everybody. But being able to identify the fact that there's changes and how you can leverage that by asking the people who are using the technology is very helpful. Because then you, you see, then you'll see the cycles, then you'll see the history. You know, radio changed everything back in the early 1920s. You know, um, it's um, and then you can see the changes in the way we get media going forward it's totally different from from that radio to tv to to what we get now and um but there's always going to be a way of disseminating information no matter how you do it it's just a different way of the technology of delivering that yeah and you're right and you i I like that you pointed out that you don't have to know everything about it you can ask the people who do (laughs) To get and you can google it now now, yeah. now yeah. you can google it uh it's an amazing thing um <laughs> and i find myself like not going to google and trying to figure it out myself and then as um it's amazing what you can find yeah it google is google stuff you know it is now thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it um Tom, it was really great to hear all the things that you had to share there's a lot of great takeaways here thank you so much Oh, Jolie, thanks for doing this. This has been great. And if you have any additional questions, uh, let me know. And I'd, I'd love a signed copy of the book. <laughs> signed copy of the podcast. I will get it to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm dating myself. <laughs> Tom had some great takeaways from his story. Tom says that if you find yourself in a position of struggle, It is imperative to ask for help. This is so important. How many of us have problems with asking for help? I know many people who struggle with this, myself included. The human nature is to worry that it will make us look weak, that we will be rejected, or that we will impinge on others' time. But the overwhelming truth is, we as people are hardwired to help each other. Many researchers agree that the toughest barrier we face in having our personal and professional needs met is our inability to ask for help. The studies show that the smart people have discovered that asking for help is key to their success. Not only does asking for help assist you in reaching your goals, it also solidifies the bond between yourself and the person who helped you. The Benjamin Franklin effect is a cognitive bias that causes people to like someone more after they do them a favor. (laughs) So asking for help is a win-win all around. Ask yourself, who do I know who can help me reach my goal? Then go ask them. Tom also shared that adopting social media, networking, and connecting through LinkedIn has been a huge factor in helping him find those successful roles. Networking and identifying with people who are are excellent ways to advance your career, accessing new job opportunities, gaining fresh ideas, strengthening your overall business connections, these are key. And LinkedIn is an excellent online option for this, particularly until we can get back to our our face-to-face networking events. If you are not on LinkedIn, you should get on now. If you haven't been utilizing LinkedIn, start doing so today. 
reach out to your connections, build your network, post relevant information. Even if you don't need it now, build up that network so that it is there when you do need it. It is incredibly beneficial as a resource and it leads to countless new opportunities for its users. Who you know and who you're connected to can make all the difference the next time you're thinking about your next move. Tom also talked about getting lost in the black hole of internet resumes. Applying online and submitting your resume is the way that the world works and the steps must be taken, but it is a roll of the dice if your resume will be seen and or responded to. Hundreds of submissions are happening for each role. So how do you differentiate yourself? Tom suggests networking, connecting with people, having the actual conversations, approaching people at conferences, or now during the pandemic, taking part in the Zoom conferences and meeting people via breakout rooms. People respond to the voice. Text and emails can be misconstrued. It's much harder to dodge someone's voice saying, I'd like to speak with you, which makes the effort have that much bigger of an impact in this day and age. Reach out to people, make the connections, have the conversations, and don't forget to ask for help. It will start to make all the difference in your search. Tom also suggests staying current in technology. This is a must in today's world. Do not allow yourself to fall behind. Talk to the younger generations. Ask them, what out there is better than what you are currently using? Find the technologies that can help you leverage your ideas, your work, and your output. Asking the right people about technology advancements can help you elevate your career in a variety of ways. Tom graciously shared some of the more difficult moments in his life. Going through a divorce, taking care of aging parents, losing said parents, all while still needing to take care of your work. Many of us have been in this situation and we know that the struggle is real. Midlife brings all kinds of new challenges. And Tom has some really great suggestions around what to do in these life moments. Open up your communications with your company and your boss. This is imperative. It is where paying attention to building those strong relationships will make all the difference. If you are struggling, talk to your boss and let them know what is going on. You never know how they might be able to provide some help or at the very least, some understanding. Create a strong support network. You need people you can rely on. Asking for help during these times is ever more important. Let people come to your aid and allow others to help lift you up. Regardless if you're having a hard time in life, If you happen to find yourself feeling like you may be targeted at work, if you find you're getting a little bit nitpicked, little things popping up, micromanaging happening, you really want to pay attention and notice if things change. And if they do, start logging your own productivity and success. Keep records. Also, start building up that network and reaching out to connections before anything happens. If it comes to being let go in a severance package, Get yourself a lawyer and have someone look everything over. There is so much we are not aware of that a lawyer will know. Every state has different laws. 
Tom used a lawyer in these situations, and because he did, he found out he was wrongfully terminated from one position, which he was able to do something about, and he narrowly avoided losing unemployment benefits with another. These are two huge situations that would have been significantly worse for Tom if he had not spoken with a lawyer. Be smart like Tom, and if you find yourself in this kind of situation, ask a professional for advice. Tom also shared that at one point, it took him eight months to find something new. This is not surprising. If you find yourself in a similar situation, know that this is normal. The more experience you have, often the more difficult it can be to find that next role. There are many reasons for this. The corporate structure is a pyramid and there are naturally less opportunities the higher you move up the ranks. There's also increased competition for these roles. You require more money. And even if you're willing to take less money for a lesser position, then that makes you overqualified. Plus, it's a lengthy interview process. All of this combines to make the entire process of finding new work much longer than most would hope. I share this with you so that you, if you are having a hard time, you know that you are normal. I have spoken with countless people in the over 40 category who have been shocked by the struggle to find the right next role after never having to worry about it in the past. Do not let this get you down. Just know it might take more time than usual, but stay positive and stay on track. As Tom reminds us, everything is cyclical. Have faith that it will come back around. I'm going to leave you with two final key pieces of advice that Tom pointed out for continued success. First, be a good listener. Relationships are vital to success and being a good listener helps you create those strong relationships. The fact is the majority of people are not listening. You can be the change maker by simply having thought-provoking conversations. The best listeners are those who ask open-ended questions, who are empathetic, who acknowledge the other person's feelings and intent. People want to feel understood. And anytime you can connect, create a safe environment, and have a positive conversation, you will make that person feel supported. They will remember that feeling. People don't always remember what you say, but they do remember how you made them feel. Lastly, Tom suggests that we should all be paying it forward. You never know when your simple assistance can make a profound impact on someone's life. Takes very little time to do a simple favor. And by taking the quick moment to do so, you bring joy not only to somebody else, but you feel that joy deep inside of you. It will make you feel good, it will activate your internal reward center, and then it sparks generosity in the others around you. Paying it forward gives us the power to impact our world in a hugely positive way. Ask yourself, who can I pay it forward to today? Until next time. Thank you for spending time with us on Fresh Blood. 
If you love this episode, please consider subscribing, rating, or giving us a review. I'm looking forward to connecting with you again on the next episode.